What is good guys, welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as give our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hanso Chill, I was Kaden Mutamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So week 6 just finished in the NFL, and there was so many great games, so many upsets, amazing plays, big matchups, and a very big one that we all saw, the Bills and Chiefs, the rematch of literally one of the most classic games we could have saw in NFL history, where the Bills redeemed themselves with a 24-20 win, what was your big takeaway from that game? Um, to be honest, I think that this game really, really solidifies Josh Allen as being the favorite in the MVP candidate conversation. I feel like putting up three touchdowns, 329 yards uh, against this Chiefs defense was just exemplary. And it, it, I honestly can't talk about it enough. Like this man was out there hurdling dudes on defense. Crazy. Like it, he, he, he was in a different mode. Like I, I really can't explain it. Um, one more thing I did want to touch up on, though, is that a lot of the targets for the wide receivers, they had touchdowns over 30 yards. We saw one from Gabe Davis. Um, we saw one from um, Diggs. Diggs as well. Yeah. And overall, I just think that this offense is clicking on all cylinders. And what a time to do it. They We saw also toward the, uh, the end of the game. Looked very similar to what we saw in the AFC Championship last year. Oh yeah, the 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 Chiefs did have an opportunity. Yeah, they had, what sixty three seconds, exactly four seconds. Yeah, they had over a minute. Yet instead of we, us seeing the Chiefs go down as easy as they did in the AFC Championship, we saw an interception. I mean, so, from that first half, how they closed it out, I got I got PTSD from yeah. literally what twelve seconds, and they kicked a field goal to go up, I think three or something like that. Yeah, ten to seven, and then <laughs> flashbacks for the Bills. The Chiefs yeah. came down in what literally less than twelve seconds, kicked a field goal to tie the game before halftime. Crazy, that crazy was crazy. Stuff. Yeah, but I don't know. For, for me, what really surprised me was how great both defenses were. I know the offense. We know the Bills. They really have the best offense in the league. Mahomes, you can't go wrong with Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, but the thing that surprised me was how well both defenses played despite, you know, the 24-20 score. Like, you, you cannot over... Like, these both... These teams are, are going to match up in the AFC Championship. Yeah. Like, we know that. Very but these possible. defenses are nothing to be slept on either. Like, the Bills defense, we know that they're great, but we were wondering how they were going to perform against Mahomes. And same thing with the Chiefs. We know that they're okay. You know, sometimes they've been, you know, overhyped a little bit. They've been underperforming but this season i feel like the chiefs defense i'm not sure what it is but they've been playing a lot better they're looking better in coverage the passers has been looking insane as well so both of these defenses are looking great and i mean nothing to be said again about josh allen this guy's the mvp candidate i said that last week i said it again today josh allen is my mvp pick for this season he's like the way that he could run and just keep the play open is similar to mahomes but instead he's more physical he's taller he could run through you. Like, he's not going to slide. He's going to get that extra yards for you. Yeah. Like, he's keeping this offense moving and moving and moving. And I think the thing that, that a lot of people don't talk about Josh Allen is just accuracy. Mm-hmm. Like, we know he's a big body that's able to run and escape the pocket and do all that. But his accuracy is also insane, too. Like, yeah. You got to put him up there with Mahomes, with Rodgers, and all these top throwers in the league. He's one of the more accurate ones, if not, like, the top three accurate throws in the league. Like, he's been putting the ball in precise spots, through tight windows. You, you saw that one to Diggs where he literally caught it on the right side of his body with the defender yeah. draped on him. Like, that's perfect ball placement mm-hmm. from Allen. And for the Chiefs, I know the tough loss. I mean, I'm not I'm not too worried about them. Like, they've played great. Aside from that last interception from Mahomes, like, they've played great for literally 99% of the game. So I'm not, I'm not going to over 
worry about them. I think they'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, no, these two teams, we we both know they're they're not something not teams to joke around with. They're, they're going to be contenders, both going for championship desires. And also, I wanted to touch up on Juju Smith Schuster, okay, actually having game. a very very good game. Five receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. I think this so, kind of solidifies him as the number one wide receiver target for Patrick Mahomes, and maybe we'll see these two have a better relationship going on. Mm, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, <laughs> I wish because, I mean, I have him on fantasy, but, <laughs> I mean, we saw him, like, in the first six weeks. It, you know, it's kind of, like, up to a toy cost to see who's going to be, like, the, the number one receiver for that game because we saw the route um, the first six weeks, Mahomes targeting a lot of different receivers and you know True. some of them they're getting more open and then Mahomes will get them the ball and I just apparently Juju was I guess more open this game and Mahomes was able to get him the ball I mean for the wide receivers though he's looking a lot better he has more options to throw to I believe because all of these players he's not focusing on one of them exactly no more Tyreek Hill he has a lot of options that'll be better for the Chiefs and for the Bills I forgot to touch up on one thing Von Miller I mean, it sucks to see because he used to be a former Bronco, but he's been looking so, so, so great for the Bills. I think that's like the last piece they needed for this defense, yeah. that pass rush. We all know that like, their secondary's already been great. The past defense in the past couple years, are those, I think they were pretty good, but they just sometimes they weren't able to get enough pressure to be consistent until they added Von Miller. And we all saw in the offseason, everyone was like, oh my goodness, they overpaid for Von Miller. They yep. paid him. He's old. They paid him for so much money. Like He's kind of washed until he's not washed. he's not washed he's <laughs> been playing so phenomenal he yeah. was the key reason why Mahomes threw that interception at the last seconds because he got that pressure broke through a double team forced Mahomes to skip the pocket and under pressure he had it he threw it and it was intercepted by Taron Johnson so yep. Von Miller he is that x factor for this Bills defense and one more thing they aren't even healthy yet Trey White oh Trey yeah Davis White they're oh, yeah, star Trey White's not even there yet yeah. he, he hasn't even played a game this season so this Bills defense may be one for, like, historically good. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's move on to a, another surprise of this week. The New York teams surprisingly yeah. are so, so good this season. The Giants and the Jets. I mean, let's talk about the Giants first. They beat the Ravens in an overwhelming comeback. That was crazy to see. Yep. Now they're 5-1. and one. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I should jump on this Giants train, but I'm going to have to start tapping my foot in there because... Yeah. I mean, every week it seems like, ah, this is the week where they're going to lose. This is the week. Uh, this is the week. And people like, ah, back to the old Giants. But it's not. Like, every time it's like they're always in the game. And then somehow in the fourth quarter, they're able to clutch it through and pull out for the win. Yeah. I honestly have been very, very impressed with their defense. I feel like their defense oh, is responsible. Yeah. Like, we saw the Ravens weren't getting anything down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Like, Nothing, yeah. I, I believe they went three and out at least two times yeah. in that quarter. Like, they, they were just st- stuck. And not only was the Giants' defense impressing, but I think, well, I'm, I'm going to start saying this. Danny Dimes, I think, is starting to figure his stuff out. I don't know if it's completely because he still doesn't have those same, like, the wide receiver options that a typical, like, good, good offense would have. But he's making the most of it. I think he's been very impressive throughout this year, honestly. I mean, yeah, I agree as well. I mean, he's looking a lot more polished, I would say. Like, he's not f- making... I think decision-making has taken yeah. a huge leap this year. The way that he's not just escaping the pocket and just throwing it out or trying to force something. like He's maneuvering super well. He's not adding any wasted movement in the pocket. And when he needs to is when he's escaping the pocket, he's going to get that first down. He's going to try and get extra yardage instead of trying to extend the play, trying to make something out of nothing, which we saw like a past couple of years. That's not the recipe for success for him. 
And I think he's doing a great job at, you know, moving out the pocket. And when he's moving out the pocket, his decision-making is very, very... I think it's been looking so well. Yeah. And Saquon Barkley, again, oh, nothing to be said about him. <laughs> he's been looking so phenomenal right now. Honestly, I, I think he could be one of the top for candidates for Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, I know we were talking the, about... Yeah, he like... He is the Offensive Player of the Year for me. He's the centerpiece of this offense. And the, I feel as though the only reason that they're able to score as much as they do... It's because of the threat that he is on the run and on the pass, honestly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been looking so well. The defense, especially, too. Yeah. I mean, the way they're betting, they're, they're getting a lot of pass rush on quarterbacks. I'm not too sure about the secondary. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Sometimes a little suspect, but yeah. I think they're playing a great job in the front line. I know that for sure. Yeah. And speaking of, like, the Ravens, though. I mean, again, they're just not able to hold on to the lead once again. Some, I thought they something could Something that we've that. seen, like, throughout this entire season, too. Like, yeah. this is not the first or second or even third time. I think time. this is, like, the fourth time out of six weeks where they were just up and they're not able to hold it up. I don't know, man. Like, something about this, it. This team is really good. Lamar Jackson is really good. But if you're giving up these leads, I think you have to, like... You have to shift your focus and try and improve your defense because your defense is the main I think the, it's the offense when I was watching the Giants game. No, yeah. L- with- Lamar was making a lot of boneheaded decisions. True. That was like when the the last couple of minutes, I was so perplexed. I was so yeah. confused. I was like, why is he doing these kind of stuff? Why is he throwing this ball this way? Why is he doing this? Like, there's just so, like, I think he's caught up in the emotions of the game. Yeah. Especially that first turnover where he had, where he just threw that interception. It was just. That was a dumb move right there. That was a dumb decision-making. He was just able to throw and just, what? I don't know what he was thinking right there. And then, yeah. what? The next time, down the field, the Giants take the lead, right? So he has a chance to come back and win the game. He's so loose with the ball. He's not protecting it. He's letting it fly out of his hand. And then strip Kayvon, sack. Yeah, Kayvon <laughs> Thibodeau was it there to it was strip sack him. Why? Because he was just, the ball was so loose in his hands. Like, there's no sense of urgency, no sense yeah. of protection. I don't know. These Ravens. They've been looking great, but at the same time, they've been mm. looking really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And for the New York Jets, though, like, oh. my goodness, they're on the same page as the New York Giants. They've been taking wins after wins. They yep. just beat the Packers. Um, Robert Salas, I think, done a very, very good job with this group. We've seen the emergence of this Jets defense kind of take over this league by surprise. I mean, it may even add to that. Like, Sauce Gardner... He has kind of solidified himself as maybe like him and Kayvon Thibodeau, in my mind, the top two candidates for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think they're both playing phenomenal. And not only are they clicking on on defense, but on offense as well with Brees Hall emerging as that huge, like, the, the, I feel like the, the missing piece that they really needed for their offense to click. And Zach Wilson also looking good. And the threats that they have, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, like they still have those threats that those guys that they can target as like many as like ten times a game. Yeah, I think what's really opening up, like I said, was Brees Hall being able to run the ball so effectively, and I think that's a great recipe for success. If you have that one running back to, you know, get this offense going, get huge yardage, it's going to really set up that play action because I think their wide receiver court, they're I know they're young, but they have a lot of talent. I know Garrett Wilson, he looks so great in the first few games of the season. Elijah Moore, I know his production isn't as great, but you saw him last year. He was able yeah. to make huge productions on the field. Same thing with Corey Davis. We've seen him you know, a couple of times throughout multiple seasons where he just has a big game. And I think Zach Wilson, too, he's been looking pretty, pretty solid for this Jets team. But yes, like you said, Brees Hall, he's been looking so great on the ground. That's going to open up the play action, get these guys open to open space, which is really good. And again, Sauce Gardner, 
I said a couple of times before, I'm not sure if he was going to win Defensive Player of the Year because just about the interceptions, the box score, stuff like that. But, I mean, I think the stats are all proving it toward his side now in favor because he hasn't allowed a single touchdown yet. He only had, what, one, allowed one reception in, like, the past couple of weeks. Like, this guy's been amazing. We saw the footage of him locking down multiple wide receivers in that Packers game where, like, you will see moves where most, uh, most, most cornerbacks would get shaken on, like a double move or, like, a quick slant. But as you would think that he got beat, he just somehow able to get back into the picture and deflect the ball with his long arms, long hands. I mean, he's been looking like, I would say, put him in the top 10 conversation in cornerbacks right now. I agree completely. Um, I think let's move on now to the Broncos and Chargers game. I know you're a Broncos fan, and this is going to be a little tough for you maybe. This is going to be tough. This, this game, what a game by both defenses. I mean, I don't think we could say enough. I think these two defenses are in my mind top five in the NFL both of them and there's really not much like that you could not say about them like we've seen the success that the pass rush has had for the Broncos we've seen the lot the locking up by the linebackers as well and Alex Singleton we've seen um the emergence I feel like of Patrick Sertan becoming that like number one cornerback that they saw him on draft night and I, I think this Denver defense is really taking it to the next level I've been saying it, Pat Sertain has, I, I already said it, he is going to be the cornerback one going into next season. This guy's been looking so locked down, did not allow a single reception at all last game. And this pass rush, Baron Browning, his impeccable timing, the way that he's just able to jump the snap is incredible. Yeah. But defense just doesn't score your points. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, I just don't know what to say about this Broncos offense. It, I, I, as if you could get any worse from last week, they somehow blew it up even more. Besides that first quarter, where I thought that things changed. I thought after that first quarter, I was like, hey, they're actually getting it together. They're clicking. Like, it's, it's happening. And then you go to the <laughs> second, third, fourth overtime. And I'm just like, wow. Like, how do you just flip the switch so fast where you're just not able to go? Like, the play calling is horrendous. I'm not under, I'm not understanding it. Why would you run the ball two times? And then now the defense knows you're passing it because it's like a third and eight. And then they know you're passing it. And the play calling is horrible too. Like, the wide receivers are not getting open. Russell Wilson can't throw the ball anywhere because they're not getting open. He's getting pressure. He has to escape the pocket. And then... Also, Russell Wilson, too, when he escapes the pocket, sometimes it's just like he's not trying to extend the play. He's just trying to escape for his life. He's not trying to yeah. find anyone open. He just throws it away. And there's a couple of times where I'm looking like, hey, he's kind of open. Like, he could, you know, try the luck sometimes. But, no, he just throws it away. I mean, uh, man, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, there's just a lot of stuff that could be said. I yeah. Mean, play calling is so horrible right now. There's just so much turmoil. You see Melvin Gordon today. Yeah. Um, there's been rumors that he wants to get traded because he's not getting enough playing time. There's so much turmoil on this offensive end. I just feel bad for this defense because yeah. that's the only positive right now. It's the only why they're able to be competitive in these games because this offense just looks so, so bad. Uh-huh. And I did want to touch up on a very interesting stat that I saw. Um, Alex Singleton had 19 tackles this game. Really? 19. Five away from the NFL record of 24. I, I found that to be quite interesting. I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't expect it. But seeing that happen, I guess he's he's just everywhere on the field. I think his presence over on the on the defense for the Broncos is very underrated. Like like you said, going under the radar. I haven't seen this anywhere. I saw it for the first time right now. I'm like, wow, this hasn't been mentioned anywhere. But what a game by Alex Singleton. Yeah, he did have a lot of great tackles, but. 
I mean, as, as much as that that is for the defense, <laughs> this offense just yeah. can't click it together. Despite, it was a big game for the Broncos because if they won that game, they would have been 3-3. Three and three. They would have the uh, the tiebreaker over the Chargers, which would move them to second place in the AFC West. And with all the turmoil going on in the AFC right now, with certain teams that you expect to be good, they're not being good, they would be fine for a wild card spot. And with that loss, I mean, it might just been season over for the Broncos right now. Yeah, and I did want to touch up really quickly on the AFC East. Uh, I don't think anyone saw these teams all being at 500 or higher this far into the season. I think that these teams, this may be one of the more be- like the more promising divisions of football. I know we talked about like obviously the NFC East is re- rolling as well. However, the Commanders maybe not as much, but these these teams in the AFC East are very competitive as we oh, as yeah. we've seen in the, over the past few weeks. Oh, definitely. And let's move on to another big disappointment for this. <laughs> I feel like this whole sports movie is just a full of surprises and disappointments. Yep. Um, the Dodgers, we all saw in baseball, the 111-win <laughs> team broke their franchise record, um, was the favorite to win the World Series this year. They had just lost to the San Diego Padres. And for a comparison, that's like the Los Angeles Lakers beating their franchise record. And then they go into the playoffs, they lose first round to the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> Like, oh my goodness, that is amazing. That is so bizarre to see. Um, the Dodgers, well, I mean, what was your reaction when you saw them lose? I, I I was, like, I was in shock, to be honest. Like, I, I just fully did not expect this team to lose so early. Not only did they have these, like, um, like the best odds to win the championship, like, this team was so improved throughout the season. As you said, 111 wins, setting that franchise record. Nobody... Nobody really even questioned whether or not they'd be losing the series, but I guess the impossible sometimes is possible in the Padres actually winning this series. So I guess if you're the Dodgers, what do you think you do from here? You had a historical (laughs) season, but you just lose. I generally don't know where you go from here because they tried so many times. Like It's not like their roster has been bad. It's literally all of their roster has been the same, if not even better from years before. Um, I, I, yeah, I generally don't know where you go from here because they had literally the best pitching group in the entire league. You have almost six aces. You have Tony Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson, um, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, but he got injured. They also have, what, Julio Urias? And then, what, the new rookie guy, Dini, or, or Heaney. Like, they, there's like six, seven aces, starting quality pitchers that you have. And somehow, you're still not able to make it work, which is really bizarre to me and not only the pitching you have i would say the best offense in all of so much baseball. talent on that team man. freddie freeman max muncie cody bellinger trey turner mookie betts uh, like will smith like you have all of these great batters and still you're not able to put up more than what two three runs a game that is so bizarre to see like, i generally don't know where the dodgers go from here like, what, do, you they, think, do you think it could have just been, like, a lapse? Maybe they just, like, didn't perform? Like, maybe... It just th- has to be that the offense just didn't get to step up. Like, they did not step up. Because there's no other explanation of how this could have happened. Yeah. Not even stepping up, though. Like, they just didn't do what they... Like, the minimum. They didn't even do the <laughs> bare minimum, bro. Like, I, I, I think that if they, like, at least put in the, like, average effort that they did throughout the course of the season, we would have seen a different story because this... This star-studded offense was, like, really killing teams, man. It was also the manager, I would say, too, because I know the last game where Tyler Anderson was in, he had a, I would say he had a really solid outing. He was able to perform 
um, keep the Dodgers. I think they were winning 3-0, and he was still in. And then Dave Roberts, the manager, took him out in the fifth inning. Like, that's literally halfway of the game. And at the seventh inning, that's when it all blew apart for yeah. the Dodgers. Like, I just under- don't understand the decision-making, too. Same thing with, like, other, like, the Broncos as well. Like, the decision-making from, like, the coach and the manager is something that I don't get. Because when you take out your starting ace in a do-or-die situation, and he's been performing, and he's not, like, his pitch count wasn't even super high either. It was in, like, the 80s. So he still has, like, about, what, 20 more pitches to go, maybe? Like, he's still, he should still be in there. He's, like, nothing happened. He didn't give up any runs. Like, he's doing a great job. I just didn't understand the the, the decision-making to take him out. Because once he took him out, I feel like there was, like, a spark for the Padres. Like, hey, let's do it now. Like, I think we have a chance. Like, they took out the starting pitcher. I think this is our time to shine. And they did not, they did not disappoint. Because they just went guns blazing in the seventh inning. Five runs. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I'm so perplexed. I don't know where they can go from here. And let's move on to the NBA tip-off, where the NBA season starts yes, today. Yes, And we have two great matchups, the 76ers and the Celtics, and the Lakers and Warriors. So many, so many players, so many stars. Start with the 76ers and Celtics. Who do you have winning this game? It's not bias. It's <laughs> not bias. The Celtics, coming off of a finals run, coming off of a season in which we saw them turn things around. I know that they're down a coach in Ime Udoka. Honestly, I'm not worried about that. I'm more so worried about the loss of Robert Williams. I think that's going to be more of an issue that they think <clears throat> than they think. And he's not going to be back apparently till midseason. So that's going to be a problem. But going for this game specifically, we know indeed. We know the Celtics don't have a lot of defensive centers now that Robert Williams is out. And so I could see Embiid having a heck of a game. Like, I'm talking like 35 and 15, but I'm going to take the Celtics because I think they're too, their bench is too deep and they have too many players that can come up and make plays. Give me the 76ers over the Celtics. Um, too many great plays for the 76ers. Their depth is also really good too. Uh, I, I just don't think the head coach for the Celtics, I think he just needs some time to get this group going, um, see where the rotations are, um, maybe some <coughs> game decisions, game rotations, game adjustments he needs to make. Um, Doc Rivers has been with the 76ers for almost a super long time, almost like, what, four four years? So because of that, I think the 76ers have the experience to beat the Celtics this opening game. Again, like you said, injuries to Robert Williams, there's no Gallinari as well. Yeah. A lot of turmoil right now for the Celtics. I think they need time to figure it out during the season. Give me the 76ers. I have Joel Embiid for going sure. off. I, I, I see the, the Sixers are definitely going to have a very good game, as we have come to expect of them. I think these two ball clubs, it's going to be a close game, I feel like, no matter what. Oh, yeah. But whichever team comes up on top, it's going to be close. Um, One thing I did want to say, though, in the preseason... We, we, we really, like, got a glimpse of what a, what Maxi was going to be like this year. I think he is going to be the key piece for them if they were to win this game. I think Harden is going to have a solid game, but I don't think he's going to be the X factor. I think that's not going to be Embiid either. I think it's going to be Tyrese Maxi. I think if he has a good game on some solid shooting, maybe, like, around 20 points, I think that contribution will be enough for the Sixers to get the win. But this will be definitely an interesting game for the, from his standpoint. I'm going to make a bold take. I'm going to say Tyrese Maxey is going to be the second leading scorer for the 76ers this entire season. And that goes against James Harden. That goes against Tobias Harris. I think Maxey is going to average at least 22 a game. Uh, Harden, I I think this might be the first time in a very, very long time where you don't see Harden averaging over 20 points. It's going to be a very bold prediction, but 
I think he's going to average around 18, 19, but he's going to have like at least 10, 11 assists for Harden. Because I yeah. think his role now for the 76ers as Maxi's emergence was like his spectacular emergence for Maxi that's going to put James Harden in the role of a playmaker as, yeah. a, as a true point guard where he's setting this offense up, making plays, getting people open. And when he needs to, then yes, he'll do the scoring as well. But I think James Harden's role now mm-hmm. on the 76 is going to be that pure point guard where he's able to set up the offense, run the pick and roll with Embiid, uh, maybe get Harris or Maxi open for looks. I think that's going to be his role as an assister, as a passer. Maxi is going to be that second guy to get scoring options off of MB if he's getting double teamed or they need a bucket. I think they want to turn to Maxi instead of Harden. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna actually further your both take. I actually agree with you on that. I think Maxi is gonna be above the 20s in the point per game, and that Harden's gonna be under. I'm gonna also add and say that I think Tobias Harris is gonna be under 15. I think he's gonna have mm. a very very slow year, being in the fourth role, like the the role of the fourth man in that offense. I think it's gonna he's gonna really struggle and. Toward the midseason, don't be surprised if he's mentioned in trade talks. I think oh, that, definitely, yeah. I think that this team is fully capable of replacing him with PJ Tucker at the four. That's a oh, very yeah. that's a guy who we know has the experience and can start in that role. And maybe they look to improve a different position or just their bench in general. Because I know Tobias Harris will not want to come off the bench. Oh, definitely, yeah. And for the Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum they're gonna have great games. Of course. I don't know, man. Maybe Jalen Brown is gonna. I I might make another bold prediction where no. Jalen Brown's gonna average more points than Tatum this season. Honestly, to further, <laughs> I like. I, I hate that we're in agreement, but it, it it just shows. Like I I do think um, Brown is gonna have an MVP candidacy year. I don't think that Tatum is gonna be bad necessarily. I think he's going to be taking a step back maybe let's say from what he did last year i think brown his capabilities when he's healthy are endless his athleticism allows for him to just compete at a different level and his shot and handle i've seen his handle in preseason it looks improved it really does and so i'm gonna agree with you and i'm also gonna have a very very bold take and say that he will finish this year top five in mvp voting interesting interesting for me, I think Tatum is going to be more that all-around player where he's not going to more focus on scoring, but maybe playmaking as well. Because I think th- for the Celtics to be successful, I, I think they need Tatum to be more of a facilitator as well. Because um, you already know, we already know he's so great at scoring. He could do that. But the next step as a player yeah. and becoming that next superstar, that next level, mm-hmm. is for him to become a facilitator, a guy that's able to pass. For Jalen Brown... I think he's reaching his limit. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't see Jalen Brown being that facilitator, yeah. that guy that's going to, you know, find open looks for other people. I think he's best when he's just used as a scoring option. Nothing wrong with that. They need scoring. Like, any team could use a great player that could score 23, 24, 25 points a game. Yeah. But for Tatum to become that next superstar, I need him to become a great facilitator as well. Kind of like LeBron. Yeah. He's able to find people. And I think if he can do that, the Celtics are going to be very, very, very scary. And we've we've seen, uh, honestly, a lot of that. We saw that during the playoff run. Oh, definitely against and, the Warriors because yeah. Tatum was not able to facilitate. That really was a big reason why they weren't able to win the finals that Exa- year. Exactly. And I think that multidimensional factor that he has to unlock, he, he will do that this year. I think he is going to take that, uh, uh, incorporate it into his game and become more of a facilitator. But also, they did get Malcolm Brogdon and they still have Marcus Smart. So they're facilitating is not under question at all. I think that they're going to be relatively fine in that aspect. But, man, the lack of big men, I think that's going to really affect them. 
for sure. And we have the other game where the reigning Warriors are going to take on the LA Lakers. Oh boy, this is going to get very interesting. Yeah. You want to go first? I'll go first, yeah. Um, both these teams, I think, are coming off of years and or just a lot of questions. Not for the Not for the Warriors in the terms of, oh, is this team good? That's more so the Lakers, but the Warriors with the situation arising in the locker room between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. I don't think that's a hundred percent like fixed yet. I think there's still some questions that need to be answered. So with them, I think that they just need to play over time and just get used to it. I don't think Draymond Green's getting extended, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> that's a different conversation. Um, for tonight's game, I as a Celtic fan, I'm gonna take the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Lakers are gonna come out looking like a different team this year, more so because of how much depth they have. I saw um, Kendrick Nunn in the preseason. He looked insane. He looked like he was hitting on all cylinders. Maybe he could fill in that missing piece that they may need. Um, Anthony Davis is back and healthy. LeBron is LeBron. Not really much to say about that. Um, But I'm very interested to see whether or not Russell Westbrook comes off the bench. I... Oh, I think that's going to be one of the bigger storylines yeah. this this um, NBA season. I think that they're not using him entirely as they could for him to be as effective as possible, but we'll see. I'm going to take them, and I'm going to predict that this score is going to be 114 to 106 in, in favor of the Lakers. I'm going to tell you how this game's going to go. Um, the Lakers are going to come out blazing. They're going to take, a, I'll say, a very comfortable lead. And going to halftime, probably around 8 to 10 points lead during halftime. Third quarter, we know the Warriors, they're going to come fighting back. Yeah. They're going to have that spark. They're making a close game, probably two, three points. And then the fourth quarter is when the Warriors are going to take the game over and win the game. This is how the game's going to go. Warriors, they're coming off of that championship, right? They're going to have that slump in the beginning. We all know that because, I mean, who, who wouldn't, right? They're, yeah. Then you just won the championship, you're having fun, you're like, oh man, we won the championship, <laughs> vibes are good, right? They're going to start off slow, we all know that. Um, but for the Warriors, like, they played together. I know Draymond and Jordan Poole aren't, like, on the best terms right now. But at the same time, it's not like they added a completely new superstar or completely new players. These are literally the same group of people that just won the championship a couple months ago. Yeah. Their chemistry is still going to be the same. Steph Curry is still going to be Steph Curry. I mean, they still have Clay, right? The chemistry is going to be insane. Right, mm-hmm. they also adding Wiseman back, which is another big factor yeah. for the Warriors. So I think they're getting new players back. Their chemistry is still going to be great. That's going to be a big reason why they're going to beat the Lakers. Uh, like, I mean, the Lakers, their chemistry is not even there, bro. Like, they have LeBron and AD are the only people that actually have chemistry for the whole entire team. Everyone else is a question mark. Are they able to do this? Are they going to be able to play with LeBron? Who's going to put the effort on defense, except for Patrick Beverly? Like, who's going to be the one to step up? Who's going to be able to do this? Just so many questions for this Lakers. We even yeah. know if Russell Westbrook's starting or on the bench. Like, <laughs> we don't know what is going on in this Lakers team. They need a lot of things to figure out. Give me the Warriors over the Lakers for this game. Yeah, and one thing to also note is that the Warriors are having the ring ceremony tonight, and it is in the Oracle Arena. So maybe that plays a presence oh, as well. Oh, that's going to be a huge factor. Yeah. These, the, the crowd's going to go insane. I yeah. already know that. First three from Curry, the they might have to call a timeout because yeah. I know the, the arena is going to go very loud. Very loud yeah. yeah. But I'm sticking to my prediction. I think the <laughs> Lakers are going to win. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chill. I'm Katie Motemid. And we'll see you next time.